But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. Sir. We will I mean, you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to do rhyme it. Just yeah, that's where he just ran down. Everybody, I'm not gonna remember any of it. That's the way to go. Look at the Rams today and ram it. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Whose house? Wow. Ram What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers the Pod. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined by the other host, Nick. And Nick, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm great, Dean. Just bought this new hat. I'm trying to figure out what side it's on. Right here, Super Bowl oh, champs on the side. Oh, he's feeling good after the win. Yep, but we got the win, and I was like, you know what? I promised I'd give somebody something if the Rams covered 11 and they did. So I was like, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to buy myself something nice too. Oh, so I was going to say, what did you buy for the person who is the, going to be the lucky receiver of your gift? Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll say something wacky during this episode and the first person to tweet it at you will, uh, will win. No, we'll keep it a surprise. That sounds good. It seems like it's uh, buying merchandise is always more enticing after a W. Of course yeah. you want to support your team in every moment, but after a good win going into a bye week with a little bit of momentum, yeah, you know, maybe there's a reason to get yourself a new hat. I like the well, idea. I got. I the never. Yeah, I never have one that was just. I mean, I have a black one that that has this LA logo, but it's kind of kind of hard to see. And this just is uh, very big and LA, so it's bold, just like your personality. Exactly. Before we get into this episode, Nick, do you want to jump on Bet Online? Yeah, absolutely. Bet online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, always the easiest. Uh, bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to, to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Promo code BLEAV. I kind of like, like Broncos country. Let's ride Monday night. Ah, oh, you're crazy. I don't, I don't know. Broncos, have, I, I guess I only bet on them twice, and there was the two games they won. So I was going to say, I guess they're due. Uh, before we jump into this episode, real quick. Can you guys do us a favor and like, subscribe, and maybe even leave us a comment, whatever you'd like. We're testing out something new. We're going to give it a shot. Nick, I need your feedback. Okay. Well- What'd you think? It's just so funny because to the listeners, it, it just like cuts me off and just has a little like sting. But if you're watching, it says like, subscribe, and it's cute little uh, cartoon graphic. Um, yeah, can I, see, can I just hear it one more time? No. no. <laughs> do us a favor, like, subscribe, comment, help us feed our families. Um, okay, so let's help start me feed my the, cat. Yeah, help Nikki feed his cat. Okay, um, starting with the Rams offensive line. I think that's, I mean, obviously the Rams came out and won the game 24 to 10. Um, and there was a lot of different things that happened within this game that you could break down, you could evaluate. We're going to do that all throughout this episode. 
Um, but to start it off, I, I want to kick it off with Alaric Jackson. I've Nick, I've renamed the offensive line, and I need your stamp of approval on this nickname. Alaric Jackson's five. <laughs> what do we think? I love it. He loves it. I had one too, but I'm gonna uh, I'll I'll give my nickname later. All right. Um, the, let's we'll hear it as we we progress in this episode. But the Rams Ooh. is starting offensive line. It's Alaric Jackson at left tackle, Bobby Evans at left guard, Jeremiah Coloni at center, Ode Aboshi at right guard, and Rob Havenstein at right tackle to finish this game. After Joe Nopum unfortunately sustained a ruptured Achilles that's going to put him out for the entire year. Prayers Only up played to nine no snaps in this game. What were you going to say? Prayers up to Nopum. Prayers up Speedy to recovery. Yeah, speedy recovery, uh, got the big contract. It's just so unfortunate. He's dealt with some other injuries, so I'm wondering if that's you know, an injury to the knee or an injury to the lower body. That could be just uh, a compound injury that you've just had wear and tear on one part of your leg, one part of your body, and then eventually something else gives. It's not, it's, and it's not a great sign for your left tackle to rupture his Achilles, obviously. As they're pivoting and stepping back, they need all that momentum. They need all that energy and um and balance and it's just it's unfortunate and i saw reports that were like likely out for the year it's like this is not a cam maker situation joe nopum is not going to magically try and come back from an achilles to play in the super bowl no it's just, yeah there's that, there's no need guy gave 110 percent effort on a failing offensive line this year um goes down incredibly unfortunate and then now you have the franken line <laughs> that's my that's my nickname that I was waiting to pull out because it's just, just it's a Frankenstein O line. It's just people getting pulled. It's all over the place. It's always new, and you yeah. know it's got, got me doing the monster mash on my couch when Stafford throws a pick six. <laughs> I'm wondering if um, and you know it's it's such a strange situation how no boom like you don't even almost want to talk about some of the deficiencies that he's had in his game this season because there's so many rotating pieces because it is a franken line like it wasn't the having it wasn't having the best of seasons regardless but it was a revolving door very much so uh, at the left guard position and there's no real stability on this entire offensive line outside of Rob Havenstein at this point no boom six games 23 pressures and and five sacks allowed like you know, there's a lot that you can kind of tee up to that. You can single out Joe Nupum and say he's made individual mistakes. He's also gone up against some of the top pass rushers in the league to start the season. So again, wear and tear combination of revolving doors, a left guard and center, the whole left side of the offensive line has just been uh, in shambles the entire season. They've had Nick eight offensive linemen on their roster to start the season. Six of them have been injured. Only Bobby Evans and Rob Havenstein remain from the roster to start the entire season. Um, everybody else was either on the practice squad or they were brought in via free agency. And that's the situation that they're in. Jeremiah Colony was a cop a couple of months ago. He was a oh cop my patrolling the streets, uh, you know, doing his thing. And, and now he's the Rams starting for the- <laughs> now he's starting for the Rams. He broke his leg uh, a couple of years ago. He thought his football career was over, um, joined the police Academy. And now, you know, he's back on the Los Angeles Rams starting at center. So, um, he he allowed four pressures yesterday versus Carolina, and Aboshi, who stepped in at right guard, allowed just one pressure. But I mean, Nick, you're at a point where the bye week's coming. We've been talking about getting players back, and now you're eventually going to get Brian Allen back to play center, who was your Super Bowl winning center. So it's obviously an essential piece. And then you're going to have back, you know, to at least two starting offensive linemen going into San Francisco week. Yeah, I 
I just think just, I mean, based on the, the nicknames that we have given it, the fact that they were able to put together drives against a somewhat competent Panthers defense um, late in the game. Um, this team is almost like the opposite of what the Eagles are, where they start out as slow as possible. And then, you know, finally start doing well in the second half where the Eagles is like almost the inverse. Yeah. It was like um, Arizona the first four weeks of the season where they couldn't score in the first half. And then all of a sudden right. explosion. And then, you know, you see in the stats where the Rams have like the, 31st lowest points in the fourth quarter with uh, uh, three total points. And then, you know, they start doing stuff and they start actually making like these powerful plays. And and you know what? I think it all starts and stops with Allen Robinson in this case, because you have to, we said it last week, you had to get him involved Mm -hmm. to get people off a cup. Cup is going to be doubled. And more often than not, Robinson should have had two touchdowns yesterday, but they missed a blatant face mask. And when you can get the ball to these other people, I mean, you got to get it out fast because you got, you know, cops on the O-line. Um, <laughs> but but they did a good job. And then you, you start getting people like Powell and Skoranek involved, and then all of a sudden you got 24 points on the board. Yeah, I a couple of things there, a couple of really good points. Matthew Stafford's average depth per target yesterday was 4.7 yards. Lowest of his career I saw, right? Yeah, it was one of the lowest of his career. It was definitely lowest of the season. So, I mean, we're sitting there begging for a short passing game over the last couple of weeks. We got it. And now you're getting even distribution throughout your entire receiving core. Uh, Allen Robinson had five catches for 63 yards. He was the second leading receiver, an average of 12.6 yards. And a touchdown, like you said, should have had two. Cooper Cup had seven for 80. Ben Skoranek, the iconic Skoranek, four for 55 for 40, rather. Um, Brandon Powell, four for 27. Ronnie Rivers, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, Tyler Higby all had a catch. Henderson had two. So you're getting more of an even distribution. Your Rivers average, had one. Yeah. Your average depth of target is down, um, and you're able to make some more things happen because you're getting that, your ball into the hand of your playmakers, and you're able to avoid pressure and compensate for some of the deficiencies you have up front. So all in all, though it was a really, really good game plan by the Rams, and Matthew Stafford came out and said, you try to make the defense defend every single blade of grass. And sometimes that's throwing it over their heads. Sometimes that's running screens, Stafford said. Other times it's running around the edge, running it down the middle, whatever it is. We try to give the defense a lot to look at. And I thought Sean did an outstanding job of calling a game for us and setting those guys up in great opportunities. And then those guys executed it. I mean, Robinson's five catches on six targets, Nick, that was a touchdown with a touchdown. And that's a season high. Yeah. And Uh, and look, I still don't think the cadence is there between Stafford and Robinson just simply because both of those balls were jump balls. Like two two of those balls were jump balls. He he gets up and he makes a play there, you know. Um, But still, just getting that developed, it feels like we were behind and now we're starting to catch up. You go into the bye strong – and you're going into halftime. It's ten to ten to uh, seven, seven, yeah. um, and you're just like their offense isn't going to do anything else in this entire game. Like because I I'm pretty sure all of the completions uh, for PJ were behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, so, I think so. We knew they. Yard. I mean, we almost got the benefit of them establishing we're tanking this year on this game. 
Um, I mean, that plus they just established before the game even started, we're not even going to let PJ Walker take a shot downfield. No, like, like, mistake. like not at all, which is why I don't think the defense should be that much of a topic of conversation today, even though well, I do think they, they did a good job of stopping the run. Right? Yeah. And there's you also know. like the Robbie Anderson saga, like your Z is not on offense to be able to take the top off of your defense. And yeah. he's on the sideline trying to wreck havoc and getting and now he's off the team in our division. Yeah, now he's, now he's off the team and he's, he's in the NFC West. Yeah, uh, but Hollywood Brown just went down, so he's a direct Hollywood. Brown Did he? Replacement. Yep. Oh, that's Hollywood's, horrible. Hollywood's going to be out for six weeks. Oh, what injury? I believe it is. Um, so it was a direct replacement. I mean, it's a stopgap. Let's bring in Robbie Anderson. It's not going to cost us much. And yeah, clearly, uh, clearly, he's befuddled on his current yeah. team. He wants I mean, out. That, that whole team's befuddled. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray just can't seem to get it together. He may be one of the next coaches that gets fired. Yeah, I, th- I mean, Carolina and Arizona right now are just – they don't really know what to do. They need some direction. They need to bring in a guy. Yeah, uh, those were our get-right games in the beginning of the seasons. But, I mean, I, to your point on Allen Robinson, you were talking about the two jump balls. I think most importantly for the future of this offense, they used Robinson, I think, in a couple of different ways, obviously you, on the fade. You need to get him involved like Robert Woods. Yeah, well, and and I think they did a little bit. I mean, talking about mismatches with contested catches and and jump balls and fades, but they also used him as a motion player to clear out that twenty yard catch for Cup, which was Robert Woods's role. I remember seeing that, and I remember it like it was it was twenty seventeen. Robert Woods was right back on the offense, so that was good. And then the quick game where you're able to just on early downs just let him be underneath, you know, let him be three five yards out make a catch. He's a yards after the catch player once he has the ball in his hands. And then you can use him as the asset that you thought he was. And I, I, like we talked about, Nick, I think three weeks ago at this point, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where we were just talking about two targets turns into, you know, or five targets can turn into seven targets, can turn into seven catches, can turn into season highs, can turn into multi-touchdown games. And that's what we're starting to get with Allen Robinson. And it felt like this was the kind of game that, thank God, we were able to kind of instill an offensive game plan that allowed for Allen Robinson to be able to have five catches and a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, just speaking on that 2017 comparison, I'm watching this game. I'm seeing a lot of jet sweeps. I'm seeing like more than I've ever seen. I'm seeing a lot of like uh, smart running back play where you're kind of having like unique design runs. I'm kind of like little pitch routes, like a little golf to girly action, except it's Stafford to rivers. (laughs) I mean, there had to have been something going on with McVay saying like, Cam, I love you, but you're not doing enough to be getting all these carries and I can replace you. And then you felt like he, that's why we had this kid like almost as like an ego fight. I mean, that's maybe exactly I'm looking too far into it, but no, that's exactly how I felt when I saw yeah. Ronnie rivers, when they were, I think they were lined up on the four yard line on their own four yard line. And Ronnie rivers had two hands on his, on his thighs and he was in the end zone. I'm like, is Sean McVay going to give this guy a carry here? Like he, if he fumbles, like you're talking about just worst case scenario. And I think that was his stubbornness to not have Daryl Henderson on the field, to not have Cam makers on the field, but let's put it in Ronnie rivers. When we're yeah. All I hated that. Like it should, it should be Henderson every time. I was going to say, then they go this point. They go jet sweep to two two Atwell to get him out of that territory, which is just like, and you know that's when Dad texted us and said, "I feel like I'm watching the Rams' B team right now because you're watching Ronnie Rivers and Brandon Powell and two two Atwell and maybe Cooper Cup." (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the thing about the NFL. It's it's not about where you get picked. It's about what you do with the moments when you're when you're playing. 
And a lot of these guys yeah. are like B squeed, B, B squeed, B squad people. Um, and, and something from myself who was a B squad native for, uh, you know, basketball and travel leagues, never quite good enough to make the A team. I, it, it really resonates with me. So I, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing the B team kind of step up. I mean, but then, you know, Carolina was like the, like the misfits of the misfits. So, yeah. Hey, I played a little B team basketball there. It wasn't just you. Um, it's, you know, it's a situation where the next guy up is going to be one of the most important players on the offense. And that's just the nature of this league. It's also the nature of this season. And it seems like opportunities are coming out of nowhere. And this Cam Akers saga, I think, is so interesting. I think it's a mistake by Cam Akers, right? We saw what happened to Deshaun Jackson last year. It was almost exactly a calendar year when Deshaun Jackson came out and said, eh, I don't think I want to play for the Rams anymore. I think I'm going to go play for the Raiders. He then, uh, they couldn't find a trade partner. They couldn't. I mean, who's going to take Deshaun Jack, 34-year-old Deshaun Jackson, who's stubborn, oh, outspoken? Um, and they Raiders. Him. Yeah, they waived him, and then the Raiders came in and scooped him. No, down. no, no, no. The Ravens met with him today. Oh, right, right, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I heard he was talking about coming to potentially playing for the Eagles, and then the Raiders or the Ravens actually met with him today. And I mean, at 35 years old, I don't really know what else he could possibly add to your team besides maybe one or two big plays for four games. Um, but I mean, I just feel like it's that same exact situation where you're going to see a headline come out in the next couple of days that say says Rams wave Cam Akers after failing to meet trade request. And then your date is going to be very, very similar to what it was last year on November 2nd of 20, uh, 2021. So I really, really, really hope that that's not the case. Um, you said mistake by acres, which kind of, I, I had to like hold my, my tongue there for a second oh, sure. because acres did so much work during last season after going down to come back and play during the playoffs and make crucial runs during the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Um, and yes, you know, you can also add that he almost cost us the entire Tampa Bay game. But needless to say, he was important in all of those victories. Um, and he did so much rehabbing to get to that point. And then now this year, people are saying it's a mental thing. But I also think it has to do with McVay not trusting him enough. So mistake by Akers, sure. I think there's a little bit – I think you should put a little bit of the blame – on the coaching staff though, just because we, he is capable of greatness. We've seen it. Mm -hmm. And we know the track record with McVay with these running backs. I mean, the whole girly saga. And in that case, I guess you, you can kind of lead team Sean because we saw girly on the Falcons and it wasn't really anything. It was, it was a lot of nothing. So, Maybe he sees, you know, he's watching them a lot more. Maybe he sees a true stark decline. But he's young, man. He has a lot in the tank. And McVay doesn't, you know, has no room for, uh, for uh, complacency. If you are not good enough, you're not on the roster. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It might be a combination of that. Plus, he maybe was in Sean McVay's ear about how certain plays should be ran. Which is what seems like is what the media is pushing. It's yeah. that it's yeah. like he is upset with his role in the team, 
Well, and at first it was personal, which I thought was like a blatant lie. And then you you feel obligated almost to be like, oh my gosh, hope he's okay. Like hope there isn't something personal going on with his family or whatever it may be. But like that rumor was squashed within 24 hours. And now it's coming out that they aren't compatible and they want to help each other try to find a trade partner and get a fresh new start. And like, that's all, all very odd stuff to come out from a, a locker room like this. I mean, obviously the Sean Jackson's kind of an outspoken personality. Cam Akers seemed like the kind of guy that would commit himself and do whatever he needed to do for the team. Example, a B and C was him coming back from the Achilles injury last year, doing everything he could in, in rehab, trying to come back and win a Super Bowl for the play, other players on his team, trying to support a running back group that was really only made of Sony Michelle at the time. So, I mean, there were opportunities for him to come back and make a splash. The scary thing is at this point, Nick, is there a trade partner? What kind of trade compensation is on the table? What does his future look like with a different team? You know, all questions that I don't think that, you know, all players consider when they're like, I want out because there's no guarantee to, to fill a role on a different team. I feel like the market right now is probably low. And Very. I think the Rams are not the best. I mean, they like show their hand, right? I'm all in. I got two jacks. Hopefully this is enough. <laughs> um, like they like the teams know if they don't find a partner, they're just gonna cut their losses with them. And that's how they operate. Like for better or worse, it worked last year. But I, it's not the best when you're trying to, you know, play happy with other teams and grab somebody. I mean, Belichick played ball last year and they got Sony for pretty much like dirt cheap. So yeah, fifth round pick. I honestly, I feel like if he if he does get moved, I'm, I'm also seeing reports now that the relationship might not be like it may be salvageable. Oh. But that's what they said about um, golf. Yeah, before they traded golf. Yeah, I remember. Marriage counseling. Yep, marriage counseling was the term. Yeah, but I think we could have a, uh, and this is for the OG Rams fans, I guess not that OG, but a Nick Foles, Sam Bradford situation where we get a running back for a running back. Um, I'm looking at some people in Jacksonville right now, and I feel like they have a good room that they can afford, you know, mixing it up and maybe, because I'm sure the Rams will throw in some, yeah, I'm I'm looking at Washington because I know Ooh. that McVeigh has ties there, and I know that Antonio Gibson is a good running back, and he's being. I mean, they got McKissick there, and they got who's the other kid that that that's just running over people. The kid who was Carson who was Wentz, shot, who no, who shot and came back. Gibson, what's his? Oh, name? he's not going anywhere. He's not going. That's I mean, like the whole team. There. He's going to be their starting back for the entire season, and McKissick too. And then yeah. you somehow mix in Antonio Gibson whenever you feel like it. So. Maybe there's an opportunity to trade a player for a player. So it's definitely on the radar. Uh, I think the Bears have a couple of backs too, potentially maybe a what back I there that they could. don't want to see, Dean. Let's hear it. And maybe I'm wrong. And maybe we just want to just continue mortgaging the future and we'll pay the piper eventually. I don't want to see like 2027, 2028 first round picks. We lose Cam and then we get, McCaffrey. No, you can't afford McCaffrey. He's yeah. the most expensive back in the league. I mean, you're going to take on the contract. It's not like he is uh, in a rookie contract and you could take him on and then pay him again next year. Like It feels like 
no shot. I don't think there's a, there's a 0% chance. I think I don't know. I think I think it would be like a one year thing like come get your ring. Like we have a lot of other good stuff here. Clearly, we're going to get OBJ yeah. back. So the one thing we don't know is McCaffrey's mental. Right? Like if he is comfortable with the situation that he's in in Carolina, he feels like he's getting the lion care of lion share of the carries and you know, he is the guy and he's the face of the franchise like we may not know his relationship with Steve Wilkes, the whole Robbie Anderson situation, how that unfolded, how DJ Moore feels, how Brian Burns feels. You so have to be frustrated. Players. Yeah, I'm sure. If you're in Carolina, it has to be frustrating, especially when you bring in a new quarterback this year. Even if it is Baker Mayfield, there has to be some kind of hope. Do in- we uh, do we send a DM to Steven Jackson to have him send a DM to Christian McCaffrey and say maybe it's there's more to life than being on the same team for 10 years? Me and Steven are close. You like a couple of my tweets. <laughs> I was going to say, year. Steven Jackson went deep into the playoffs with the Patriots, I think, a couple of years after he left the Rams. I, like, there are opportunities with these, with these. Yeah, and I think he was. I played for Atlanta, too, where he went to the playoffs. Opportunities for some of these younger backs, knowing that their, their longevity in the league is a little bit shorter than it once was. McCaffrey's not a big dude, and you'd see him just getting lifted off his feet by, by Jalen Ramsey. Also, and, yeah. Like he's, you know, and he's also always hurt every week and he's always on the injury report. And I mean, I, I know he makes a joke out of it, but we don't I, truly know what's inside of McCaffrey's head. I think there's a lot to say for these guys that actually stick around um, and want to stick around. And I think you see it more in football than basketball because look how fast you can turn it around, too. I mean, the Giants are five and one, the Jets are four and two, Falcons are three and three. Like you bring yeah, in the right personnel, some of these guys are probably like, I don't want to move. Like I like I've established my life here. Like my kids go to school here. You know what I mean? Like I know the career is like a number one, but I'm sure like maybe McCaffrey's the kind of guy that's just like, hey, let's like I'll see this shit through. Like you know, like keep me here, entice people to come here, get a coach here that knows how to use me well, and then you know, don't get a coach that is 0-17 when he gives up 17 points. Yeah, right. Like you said, look at the at the uh, the Giants this year. Look at the Jets. And look at the the Bengals two years ago. They were the, the worst team, one of the worst teams in the league. I think they were well, they, one of the worst records in the league. They suck again. So that's not I know, but then they came out and they went to the Super Bowl the year after. So, I mean, I guess there's merit to the, the conversation and the argument of you, know, you could be the worst team in the league, but if you still have some of the core pieces and you feel like the foundation is good with a head coach, with a GM in place – then yeah, you could stay in the same spot. But I don't know how certain that whole organization feels, especially some of their key players. Like, do I want to move? Do I want to do I want to switch gears? I mean, LA is like a vacation for the next, you know, four or five months until they have to restructure their deal. But some people like Von Miller and I treated it like it was a vacation. So Yeah, right. Exactly. Um and on the injuries, going back to some of the injuries, because we're going to be talking about getting some players back and then we'll transition over to the defense. I know, Nick, you, you mentioned they don't need to be talked about too, too much in this episode, but we'll, we'll touch on them. They did. I mean, they gave up literally three points in the like the one scripted drive. So yeah. they did a fantastic job. But that's, it, that, that's what you're supposed to do when the quarterback doesn't complete a pass behind the line or in front of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Negative plays, tackles for a loss, making sure you're wrapping up. I thought they did a good job of doing that and they're getting some players back. So McVeigh just said today that he expects Brian Allen, Van Jefferson, Troy Hill, Kobe Durant, the land shark 
and Bobby Brown all to be back after the bye week. Bobby Brown, if you guys remember a couple of snaps in the preseason where he looked like an explosive pass rusher. And I noticed that Marquise Copeland is dipping into some of Greg Gaines' snap share. So maybe there's some competition on that defensive line to be able to generate some additional pressure, close out gaps, and maybe Gaines' stock is starting to fall a little bit. He's not reaping the benefits of the Von Miller and Aaron Donald double teams constantly. I saw that, and I felt like it was um, – like I read it, and it was like, is he injured or is he just not really who he was? And, and that was my exact thought. I was like, no, he's probably exactly the same. It's just he doesn't have Von Miller being an absolute hunk beast – you know, to also have to stop. It's like guys like Gaines are going to be able to make, you know, bigger plays when he's the third guy you have to worry about. I'm still team Adamic and Sue. I still think they should bring him on like today. I think you're going to like Bobby Brown and coming off of a suspension, he's going to be coming out guns blazing. Everybody's going to like Bobby Brown. He's a good player. It's just, it's to be determined, but you know, everybody forgets because of the suspension. Then Jordan Fuller. I forgot that Jordan Fuller was on IR. Um, I know he hurt his hamstring. I thought it was going to be a two to four week injury. Uh, he was assigned to the IR. I think it was after the 49ers game or the Cowboys game. He's targeting a November 20th comeback versus the Saints. That's in about four weeks or so, three weeks. David Edwards on the IR targeting the same comeback November 20th versus the Saints. Coleman Shelton, high ankle sprain out four to six weeks. Trayman Akram, obviously out for the year. Um, Kyron Williams, running back. Seems like a little bit of a slower return. I thought he would be ready potentially after the bye. McVeigh said that Kyron is po- is a possibility to enter into the 21-day practice window after the bye week. So he'll start practicing, getting up to speed, and then a determination will be made on how he looks in practice, how comfortable he feels. And I think that's going to be your, your Ronnie Rivers and Cam Akers replacement because that was their initial plan for him in the beginning of the season when he got hurt on the first snap of the game. Still disagree with the fact that he was playing special teams. And then lastly, Traven Howard was on the NFI list. He hurt his core during non-football activity in July and had surgery back then, and we haven't really heard an update since. So that's essentially all of the injuries that we've been dealing with. A couple of players you're getting back. Players are still dealing with injury. But I think by hopefully December 1st, you should have your full 53-man roster with a couple of potential pieces. And as a reminder, whenever players go on the IR, it opens up an additional roster spot. So there's always going to be more opportunity to bring in additional players um, as the season progresses, right before the trade deadline. That's when the Rams could potentially make their splash. So That's how you get uh, Malcolm Brown on the roster in 2020. <laughs> I was going to say. And, uh, you know, I, that's why I feel like as long as everything's set by the end of November going into December and you could play out the last six weeks of your season on the right path, you're going to have a chance in this league, and that's just how it is. I'm actually shocked they didn't call Deshaun this year. Now that really? I think about it, yeah. Well, I mean, Tutu Atwell got two snaps in this last game. So, I mean, is there really a, a role for Deshaun Jackson now with Brandon Powell coming out and stepping up? Well, I mean, over the top guy. Yeah. That's that's the role. I mean, Tutu got one of those last week, right? Mm-hmm, got one of them. But, I mean, he had the jet sweep, and I think he played one other ca- one other snap in this game. Two snaps total for Tutu Atwell. So loving, maybe- loving what Powell brings, though. Like, absolutely love what Brandon Powell can bring to this team which is just a special team, just like, you know, fast moving workhorse guy. So he's evasive. He breaks tackles. Yeah. He, I can't, I can't sing his praises enough. He's my Ben Skronik. Yeah. I mean, he, 
Well, he was getting targeted yesterday. He had three carries for 13 yards, an average of 4.3 yards per carry. I think that was second highest, third highest on the day. Um, and then he also had four receptions for 27 yards, an average of 6.8. So, I mean, you're getting him involved in the offense. That's seven times more than what we've seen with Brandon Powell in previous weeks. So, yeah, and he's one of those guys, Nick. He's so elusive that he feels like if he gets tackled by shoestring or the last second, like he's going to get up and he's going to be pissed off. But he did yeah, yeah, yeah. He did have that one. He broke like two tackles and then he got brought down and he stood up and he was like, shit. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that look is pissed off when he doesn't have a chance to score. And he, you, he always wants to be in the end zone. He always wants the ball in his hands, and that's the kind of player you want on your team. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he's just got that 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 LA mentality. Yeah, exactly. And then transitioning over to the defense, uh, per Jordan Rodrigue, since the bad Week One loss against the Buffalo Bills. The Rams' defense has given up under 18 points total per game in the last five games and for an average of 13 points per game allowed by the defenses from weeks two to six. So Bobby Wagner came out yesterday and said, we control our own destiny. I like to hear that from a former Super Bowl champ who's hungry for another. They're currently fourth in offensive points allowed. They've given up 16 per game total. And you have to win football games like that. Like that takes you all the way back to 2019 when, you know, you're winning games 17 to 16 and it just doesn't feel like it's enough week to week. And in front of them right now, in terms of defense, Nick, it's San Francisco, Buffalo and Denver. Yeah. That's that's the thing. That's the thing about Denver. And I know this has nothing to do with our actual defense, but I like, they should be 500 right now. um, Minus a, weird Colts game, but that's how good a defense can be. That offense is like dead last in everything. But if you have that good of a defense, you can afford having a Jimmy G as your quarterback. You know what I mean? Like that's why this Rams defense holding teams essentially to under 20 points. I know the scoreboard's not going to say that because Stafford's given them like six a week. Mm -hmm. Um, But holding these teams to under 20 points three weeks in a row I like absolutely huge for yeah, what for what the ceiling is for this team. This is me and you when they allow less than 16 points per game. Mm. It's a picture of the rock and rampage. I thought I was going to send that to you, but I thought we said no rock anymore. I was terrified. I mean, we're seeing the rock being promoted right before a game that we are in fear of losing at home. And Oh my God. I come out and pull it out. For the first, when we go into the tunnel, it's 10 7. I'm like, I, I might have to turn this game off. Like, I felt, I mean, they turned it around. They, they did. But the first two quarters were pathetic Rams football. It was, they were, it was really tough. So, yeah, but then you get to the third quarter and the Rams' defense holds the Panthers to 17 yards. Who do you think, uh, is just, I mean, McVay is going into that tunnel with, and he's coming out with his red, his face just, insanely red because he's just screaming is my thought process i don't know if he's that kind of coach no come on you read the reports with golf about how he would just yell at him and he would just sit there yeah i mean yelling i don't i feel like it's like a loud constructive criticism like i don't see him like blowing his head off with steam coming out of his ears i i feel like he'll be really really specific in his criticism and kind of go at a couple of people directly I don't know if it's like a scream at the whole group kind of mentality. I guess it depends on on what week it is. But so here's my thought process: mm-hmm. you have two ends of the spectrum here. 
for, for, for those listening, I have a diagram with two pens. You have on the far quiet side, you have Jeff Fisher, who loses three games in a row, cracks a beer and says, all right, the season starts tomorrow. <laughs> and then you have John Gruden on the other side, who will be yelling at you for literally everything. And I think McVay is in the middle, probably leans a no, I would say he's probably 60% closer to Gruden on that scale. So so I think – but I think he's a professional, so it's going to be hard to see those moments. But I think behind closed doors, he is um, – yeah, he's he's probably laying into these guys. Yeah, and you know what? I, he can't come out and say, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't yell at the entire – like I'm sure he's had moments where he's just unleashed his fury on the entire group. Like he's – I'm sure going into halftime, a couple of those 49ers games or a couple of those games in November where it felt like you had all the momentum in your building on your side. You had all the players that you needed, and then you know everything collapses for three weeks, and that's where you can kind of unleash everything. But then you know it's a situation where it seems like players respond, even if he's irrationally yelling. It seems like these players know exactly where it's coming from. And then you win, you have the Super Bowl in your back pocket. And then that's the difference in your diagram. The one guy has a Super Bowl victory and the other guy does not. Yeah. Almost does. Came really close. Almost. Like like three yards shy. Yep. Mike Jones saves the day. Kevin Ooh. Dyson was short that day. Yeah. That was, I don't uh, think that's what it says in the paper, but I know it says Mike Jones saves the day. Isaac Bruce makes the play. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's three points. That's the second fewest points the Rams defense has allowed since 2017. Um, I, I like. I, I felt like I saw wow. enough from the defense yesterday, but I, I don't think that the Panthers gave P.J. Walker enough of an opportunity. It just felt like it was the Christian McCaffrey show, and he's a tough player to stop. I mean, if that's the only thing, that's your only thing that you're worried about in a game, I mean, you're going to be able to stop that in the second half, but earlier on, you know, you're allowing some of that stuff to happen. You're breaking, but you're also bending at the same time. It did feel like this is the game that we needed. And I don't want to sell the defense short. It really didn't even feel like Carolina was playing for a win. No. Like they were they were really going out there, running the ball three times, one pass behind uh, behind the line of scrimmage, and – going back out and putting the defense back on the field. Yeah. The I think the Rams tried. needed that. And it took, even with that, it took them a while to get going, but they figured it out and they kind of got to that point. And, you know, that's what a good team does. So you can't, you can't really fault them or be mad. Yeah. The offense on both sides was, it was like a screen game. You know, that was how everybody was able to get their completions in this game was let's dump it all short, short pass game get the ball in our hands of our playmakers, even on third and 16, let's run a screen to Robinson. We'll run a draw to Daryl Henderson. Like a lot of things that, you know, you wouldn't typically do in a Sean McVay offense, but had to kind of come out of the playbook in this game. And I just want to show this real quick. First, Alaric Jackson Heisman. He's, he likes to embrace the muffin top. He came out on Twitter. He says he's a fan of the muffin top and the muffin top gives him extra energy. And you could flip a muffin top into a pancake um, you could do all those things. Uh, he's I'm a big fan of Alaric. The I, five. I hope that the continuity on the offensive line continues. And then Nick, if you could see this, if you look at the Rams, if you could find them on this chart, the Rams are, let's see, 27.47. 
percent in terms of continuity with the offensive line. That is the amount of time that they've had with continuity with the offensive line with a full unit in place. Look, only the Raiders are lower. Wow, and the Panthers have a hundred percent. Yep. Yep. Panthers have a hundred percent. The Bengals are at ninety eight point two six percent. There's some legitimate fear to be had there. So yeah. I, mean, I I think when everything kind of push comes to shove, once you get players back, once you get through the bye, you get healthy, you could add a couple of pieces. San Francisco week doesn't look as difficult as it looked the week prior. And Ooh. San Francisco has to play Kansas City next weekend. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get I don't know. I just I'm always going to be scared of San Francisco, at least right now, um, as in this era because of their record against us. But it's just to me, it seems like a lose lose. It's like, all right, we get them after Kansas City. If they lose to Kansas City, are they really going to lose three in a row? But then it's like, if they beat Kansas City, oh god, they just beat Kansas City. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. There's no way to win with the 49ers. No, no, but unless it's the NFC Championship game. Exactly. There you go. Bingo. Yeah. All right, everybody, that's what we got for you tonight. Yeah, Panthers episode, only going to be 40 minutes. There's not a lot, you know? <laughs> we got, yeah, we put something We got 10 together. minutes shorter than, than, than where we're usually at. Hey, we appreciate you guys listening. If something crazy happens over the next week or so, I'm sure we'll be jumping right back on the podcast. Otherwise, we're going to try to enjoy the uh, the bye, too. You'll see shorts coming out from us, maybe a couple of smaller posts. Yeah, maybe I'll do, a, I'll do a quick, funny Knicks picks. You do a quick, funny Knicks picks, you know, whatever. But thank you for listening. Thank you for liking, subscribing. Thank you for following. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. And go Rams. Go Rams, everybody. Enjoy Peace. the vibe. Go apple picking. <laughs> do something it's, fun. It's the apple picking weekend. Let your let the girls in your life enjoy you on a Sunday. En- enjoy the weather. You can't make me go apple picking, but enjoy the weather. <laughs> Pumpkin picking. Peace. Wait, wait, wait. Do the do the like and subscribe thing again. Fine. <laughs> like and subscribe. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. <laughs>